1: Boy, oh boy,
2: is this fitting today. Prepare to be angry. When I sent this to my young Miss D. Callahan, I said, let's ruin the day of everybody. But I wanted to preface it a little bit with a little explanation of why I find the rules of society almost as ridiculous as the rules for mask wearing. Not that just because they don't make sense, but they make people feel good about something that they have no real evidence to prove. College its my favorite one. The reason I love capitalism isn't just because there really are no rules other than being good at something and delivering either a product or a service that people like. It's not just because it's the only economic system that is truly an equality of opportunity, as you see in America, as some of the wealthiest people are not formally educated. They don't have to go to the best schools now. Is there a likelihood that if people go to the best schools, they'll have a Rolodex of contacts and acquaintances that will benefit those kids? Yeah, there's no question about it. But one thing I pride myself on is I only had a year of college. Now, granted, I'm listen, you're not going to say, hey, Sean, could I borrow the jet? I want to fly to Jamaica. No, but I have a wonderful, comfortable life that I've been able to provide for my family and they haven't needed anything much more than I could provide. And I made this covenant with my wife that if we have kids, I'll do all that I can and give them the best life I could. And I did that through numerous jobs. I mean, as I talk to you right now, this is one of four jobs. Now, granted, those are other businesses and I own them and whatever the case is. But this isn't about me. This is about the immigrants that come here with nothing and go into whatever business it is. And within 30 years, have everything the American dream promised them, house, their own sustainability. That's why I love immigration. That's why when I talk about it, I talk about it from a different angle. Some of my favorite stories are the former Soviets and the people who were oppressed under socialism and different Marxist regimes that come to this country and their bricklayers and their plumbers and their landscapers. And they, in a very short time, are millionaires. I love that system. But you know who hates that system? This this education class who feels that if you don't graduate from not only a college, but their college, well, then you're really not a you're not. A person that is entitled to all of your own freedoms. See, I mean, that's what we're really battling in this society. People who believe because they have a certain pedigree of education, they are better at controlling the lives of other people because those people, after all, it's not their own fault. Most of the time they'll tell you they're victims. They don't have this pedigree of education. So we need this few connected, all in the same schools, all in the same pipeline to kind of set rules so that People have to abide by them in order to get to the society where everything is blissful. So they've over the course of the last 30 years have convinced 90 percent of society that the only way your kid is going to have a future is if you make him go through this school system, which I have nicknamed the Soviet daycare system, where they are indoctrinated with these Soviet principles and this collectivism and this idea that socialism is somehow perfect or even better than a free society and it's working we are losing people who think like me people who went to one year of college and left after they dated their pa and figured it's not going to get much better than that and we're making more money than the professor they left and they went on to have their own lives and they didn't need this phony document and there are investment advisors there are brokers there are all kinds of people who don't have that formal education who are very successful but society would have you believe that you must go through this, this college system to have any quality of life. And I find it to be ridiculous, and I laugh every time we see one of the new captains of the Internet, one of the, the Silicon Valley billionaires, and you find out they, they all left college because they thought it was boring as well. So I love that. And I would tell my kids this, but I also understand the pressure... That makes you send your kids to college, as I do. I folded to this pressure. The only thing I do different, and it's really not. I think 50% of the parents pay for their kids' education. So 50% is the statistic that pay for their kids' education. The rest of the kids are there on loans. And grants. And the reason I don't watch college sports, March Madness, those kids to me are subsidized and they're part of the problem of why tuition is so high. So you have the the athletic mercenaries who are subsidized at the expense of all of the other kids who can't play sports and then the boosters and they raise money to me. College is a giant money scheme. They've got the government that pays a portion of it. They get the kids that borrow sometimes unwittingly as to exactly how detrimental it will be to their future. And they bury themselves in debt. But the one thing under that system, when the kid buries themselves in debt, we as a society say, well, you took that on. You're responsible for that decision and you owe the money. Now, is it fair? Fair is a dangerous word. And it all, all really relies on who's saying it. Fair is something that's arbitrary. At least it used to be. It's not anymore. So under socialists, what they do is they have that velvet glove I talk about, that velvet chokehold. They make it seem like it's going to be wonderful and it's better for society. If we could only create this perfect society where every want is a right and every need is nothing to worry about. So they've really sold this idea of this socialist utopia college. And it's going to be great. The whole time enriching that very institution that produces arguably some good and most bad. And I say this because I just went through a car wash where I know the college graduate who dried my car off. So his four years, his debt, led him to dry cars off. Not that there's anything bad with that. I have no problem with it. He's working. It's honest. But he also, unfortunately, because of his own inadequacies, that's what he wanted to do with his life after college. And by the way, he got 150000 in debt to do that. But to each their own, that's what you did, and he struggles through that. Well, under the socialists who pretend to make everything better, they're going to make those choices of individuals who took on that debt to, in some cases, hide from the responsibility of adulthood. And now they make all of the other people, mainly poor people, and this is the real get, mainly poor people subsidize those middle class, college educated people. And now the the Biden diapers, Biden and his administration have decided to make that not only much easier, but as you'll see,
3: free. We will be expanding the pause on student loan interest and collections to the more than one million borrowers who are in default on a loan that was made by a private lender in the old bank back based loan program. No- now, now, Pisecki talks fast because most lawyers do.
2: So if you went through the old system. Before Barack Obama got in charge, there were private companies and banks that did this. And you went there and you said, I promise I'm going to be a good student and give me the money. They gave you the money and they gave you the terms of the of the loan. You borrowed it and then you defaulted on the loan. Well, those defaults have the right to go after you and you cannot file bankruptcy from those loans. And the way that they get their money from the real deadbeats is that they if they're have a, a tax rebate or, or money coming back from taxes they collected at that time so the biden administration and the democrats just made it so that those entities cannot collect your money their money
3: It is the federal family education loan program the step particularly protects eight hundred thousand borrowers who are at risk of having their tax refunds seized That's
2: now they're not at risk they didn't pay the loan these are the stiffers
3: the deadbeats the scumbags it's actually a pretty significant uh, steps. The president continues to call on Congress to cancel $10,000 in debt for student loan borrowers. That's something Congress uh, could take an action on and he'd be happy to sign. We're still taking a closer look at our actions. That's, op-
2: that's important. He'd be happy to sign. So that's 10000 for just all the borrowers. So where does the money come from and where does it go? Don't worry. Joe Biden will sign it and the 10000 will go away.
3: Options on student loans. This includes examining the authorities we have, the existing loan forgiveness programs that are clearly not working as well as they should. This includes borrower defense, total and permanent disability charges. There's a lot of steps we're looking at, and we'll continue to review those and be in touch, of course, with Leader Schumer about
2: uh, our process. So who pays for all this? All the people who are working who didn't go to college. All of the tradesmen. By the way, you're not included in this. If you went to trade school and you borrowed the money, this isn't about you. It's if you went to their socialist boot camps, their indoctrination centers for Soviet thought and communist thinking. Then they're going to make it, even though their policies are what made this cost in the last 30 years go up 750% is the is the inflation cost of, it, of college education in 30 years. That's even more than the 400% of health care. So at the same time this was going on, you couldn't have picked these three idiots if, if, if really if a cast director was was shooting a new comedy. It's Elizabeth Warren, Focahannis, the one who looks like Chuck Connors and thought just because he played um, Geronimo, she was an Indian. And then you have Chuck Schumer with the doll hair sewed into his head. And then my favorite of all the scumbags, Bob Menendez. Bob Menendez is the one who had the contributor, the the, the doctor who had all of the money with the the military dental program in South Florida. He had a private jet and a mansion in the Dominican Republic. Now, he was known for going down there with a bunch of young prostitutes, because in the Dominican Republic, prostitution is legal. Yes, that's right, it's legal. And um, he went three times with them, but... Menendez didn't go there for the young prostitutes or, or the good time and the drinking on the Oceanside mansion. What he went there for, I think it was to study horticulture. I think Bob Menendez, if the excuse gets me right, he not only was the recipient of a million dollars in campaign contributions from this doctor, he just went there to study the plants, had nothing to do with the hookers. Well, while that was going on, these three stooges were in another room and they came up with another bright idea.
4: So we have very good news for so many people who have student debt, a load of student debt on their shoulders. They could be young people, middle-aged. They could be parents. And the good news is this. We've made another good step forward on our progress. Senators Warren and, and Menendez authored an amendment that said if student debt is forgiven, you no longer have to pay taxes on it. You used to have to pay
2: taxes on it. This is the best. So if the debt is forgiven... You would have to pay the tax bill. Now, under this plan of these three Marxist scumbags who have never done anything but politics in law school, you don't even have to pay the taxes on it.
4: And that was no good. I was able to add it to the A American Rescue Plan we just passed. So now it's law. One student debt is forgiven, no matter how much. No taxes.
5: Yay! It's a big deal, uh, especially if we try to get President Biden to uh, forgive up to $50,000 of uh, student debt. Uh, imagine you finally get a cancellation of your debt and you get a tax bill from the IRS. It's worth about $2,200 for every $10,000 of debt Ooh. So Ooh. You get a 30, Schumer's relief. Chuck Schumer is excited about 2200 He blows that on lunch. thousand dollars tax bill from the IRS. Based upon the legislation that is now law, that the the leader helped us with, uh, we now guarantee that no student who gets relief ultimately gets a tax bill. And that's a big
2: Oh, Menendez, if only the Dominican Republic had such a plan, maybe those teenagers that you had to prostitute wouldn't have been so desperate. Yay, isn't it great? So I have a question for you. What bad decision did you make that you'd want the government to pay for? You know, well, they're handing out money. Which one did you make? I got a couple of friends from the Merc would love to know if the crazy horse is still open. They got a couple of first wives they'd like to square away with. Three, one, two, six, four, two, fifty six hundred.
1: Shut up and take my money.
2: The idea that the poor people, the people who paid for their own education, the people who will never go to college just without Congress really making a law are pretty much on the hook for this. The reality is it's very clear that if now that it's produced, Joe Biden will sign it. That's what Psaki was saying to you in another room as this was going on.
6: And this is about moving forward. This is our moment of momentum. Uh, we have got one more piece in place and uh, now we're just ready for President Biden to sign the piece of paper to say cancel $50,000 worth of student loan debt. And when he does that, He will close the racial wealth gap between blacks and whites who have student loan debt by 25 points.
2: They're just making that up. What about the black people who will, uh, will never go to college and hadn't gone to college but had worked their whole lives to work towards what they wanted? They're the ones that get this bill. This is poor people subsidizing rich people once again. But the Democrats out there, they'll fall for it because they fall for it every time.
6: Latinos and others by 25 points. Sure, 25 points. What the hell's a point? He could do on his own in one fell swoop. To make that kind of difference, it would be historic.
4: It will. And the three of us have been trying to persuade the president to do this because he can do it, as was said, with a signing of a pen. We don't need legislation. Boom. And your debt is forgiven and you breathe easy.
2: Why don't you need legislation? You mean to tell me that three Soviet 78-year-old frauds and one 80-year-old in diapers can all of a sudden do this? Then what the hell do we have a Congress for? Let's just make it official. Get rid of it. Send Adam Kinzinger and his pretend job and the rest of the morons home. And let's just get on with the Soviet dream. Steve in Huntley. How are you? Hey, Sean.
7: Thanks for taking my call. You know, there's so many losers in this. Um, You know, so many students went to the college. They can, Yeah, you know it's great. I'm gonna, I'm, you know, uh, just go ahead and sign on the line and get the student debt. It'll all be good. But it was just a, oh gosh, it was uh, such a scam, right? And so,
2: yeah, you know. But but here's the thing. What about what about those people? And I'm gonna once again. I can only use the example of myself. Myself and my wife, we're sacrificing. I'm paying forty three grand a year at Nebraska. I will not allow my kid to go on on, on subsidies or debt. This is my obligation. Now, that's just me. Now, some people, listen, that hurts. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. It explains why I'm driving a car with 200000 miles on it. It's a lot of money. But but there are some people who don't have a father and mother like that. I get that. I didn't. My father never bought me shoes. But in the meantime, what about those people that do it knowing I want to hit that job force, that labor force. I'm going to make as much money as I can. I'm going to pay this off, and I'm going to be the best lawyer, the best doctor, the best accountant, whatever it is. You have now penalized all of those people plus, plus the people who never go to college. They're all going to have here's tax mine. increases with this, so that small section of losers that must that must be what she means by points. What the hell is a point? How do you close gaps by points? Does, can you explain that to me? No, but here here's my idea, <clears throat> Sean. The uh, the
7: the colleges that have uh, the probably the most students with student loan debt have these huge endowments. Of course, I mean, oh my god, they got billions and that's billions. why. Why can what, if they were the ones that caused the student
8: loan debt, why don't we impound those endowments? And oh, because we're not,
2: we're not fascists. They are, number one. But number two, it's not just them. It's the athletes that a bunch of morons are watching and they're betting on the points. It's called March Madness. The timing couldn't be more perfect. I get these guys that come in my, sto- my store. These old timers. They're all degenerate gamblers. Turn on the basketball. Get the hell out of here. I'm not going to be the part of society that, that, that stokes the flames of fraud by having these athletic scholarships so we pretend that, by the way, those athlete mercenaries are actually students too. The whole damn thing's a scam. It's not just the endowments. It's the checks that get written from the inception to, to the end of time. And in the meantime, is there a penalty? Only on the people that don't go. And that's what the, the Soviet Democrats are all about. Penalizing the poor in the name of the select few. That's what the game is. Norm in Lake Zurich.
9: Hey there, Sean. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, really quick. I agree with the free person before us. Let's, let's go back to the universities. Maybe they need to lay off a couple professors and things like this. And maybe you know they can't teach wokeism and teaching us how to be, you know, better, you know, having white guilt and things like this. Let's go back to the tenure. year education.
2: Listen, first of all, I, once those professors have that tenure, they have to only teach five hours a week. Then they have PAs. You're talking about professors that are making 250 if they're new. They're making 450 at the back end. It's a system of phony virtue. Some of these colleges you wouldn't recognize, Norm. You wouldn't believe what they are. They're like resorts. It is, the, it is, it is a utopia because it doesn't have to face the realities that we have to face. And we have sold society on how this is somehow virtuous. And yet most of us who are, who are in the world, in the real world, when we see what, a producer, what it produces, I, I've never, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think colleges, there are some smart people. There are also a lot of frauds that paid the money, that signed the debt, that went through the little system and know nothing. My favorite thing, you know, I, as, as many of you know, I'm a real estate broker. It's my real job is when I'm representing a lawyer and he asks me what the contract means, what this means in the contract. You're a lawyer. I just had it happen to me a month ago. You're a lawyer. You can't read the contract. It's preposterous. But I also felt that way when I became a registered investment advisor and I sat next to the dimwit from DePaul who didn't know what the hell any derivative meant. He didn't know what a derivative was, but he's a registered investment advisor to this day. But we all bought ourselves on if you have this phony piece of paper, you're an expert. I guess that's how we're all locked in our house wearing masks because a couple of experts who work for the government as glorified mailmen just locked us in. You see the system? You see the problem? Good news is we're all paying for it. I'll take the rest of your calls when we get back. 312-642-5600. Man, oh man, when those tax increases come, it's going to be a rude, rude awakening. Now, here's the funny thing about those tax increases. It's always going to be to redistribution, but in the name of this virtue of society, the ramifications of which are never really measured. College is my favorite scheme when it comes to this. It's bad enough under the system we have. And I say this as somebody who participates in the system. Right? I mean, we have kids. You're, you, you want the best for your kids. You want to give them all the opportunity. So they're inundated with this. And at the end of the day, I've actually had this conversation. I just had this with my daughter today. I don't think she's weight-making the most of it. You know how parents are, right? When you're paying for it, you stay in tune. and you... I said, wouldn't you much rather I just have you come and work for me? I pay you what I pay tuition. I feel it would be better for you. But she's got the peer pressure and society pressure. You have to go through this or you're never going to get a good job. So they use that angle. And then in the meantime, they use this system of failure they create as a weapon of taxation against us. And it's always told it's for better. It's for society. After all, you want a better society, don't you? Well, all you have to do is strip from the poor people, from the working people, and give it to the non-working in every case. In this case, they're supposedly, they're improving themselves, which may be the case for most of them. We all hope it is. But the reality, and what we've been living through, is that college education is no guarantee of success. None at all. The only thing it's ever been a guarantee of is debt, is cost, is expense, is sacrifice. And instead of fixing that system and getting this phony institution under control, the one that subsidizes, at, it subsidizes athletes, and we don't know why, yet those kids can't make money for, for themselves, but they can make it for the school. What happens to that money? It goes to pay this, this utopian statism that lives in their, in their professors that more and more are sharing one ideology of government control. And here it is again, out of the blue, three 70 plus year old senators who've done nothing in their life except government, just, just made $50,000 a year free if it gets signed by Joe Biden, who says he'll sign it.
4: But one of the arguments some of the people around him are saying is, how could we do this? They still have to pay taxes on it. No more, Not anymore. can't make that argument. So that's a help within, as we try to push the White House to go further, to do what we think they, we sh- they should do, this helps us.
2: Yeah, and, and, and Now notice he says we, not the constituents, just these three senators. And they're the, the students or the people who have the debt, they don't even pay the taxes on it. You're going to pay for that too. Not only do they not have to pay taxes, but
5: if we get the relief we're looking for, A
2: young person can
5: now say, you know what, I get to buy my first home or get to start a family or maybe I get to open that business that I've been holding off
2: on. But the people who will pay this tax, they don't get to say it because you will tax them out of the money they would have done those things with. Boy, oh boy, this socialism is tricky. Steve, South Suburbs, how are you?
3: Hey,
9: Sean, thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it. Enjoy your show. Thank you very much. I don't want people to forget either. Um, you know, I served my country, I did my six years for my contract, got my honorable discharge, and then at the end of that contract I got four years of paid tuition for free. Not free obviously, but
2: well you had earned it. It, it was a signing ways. you know, it's a signing bonus to get you to go follow their instructions and and put off what they were actually doing by it. So to me it's a bribe yeah, it's absolutely. a bribe we make to young kids.
9: It was, but you know what? I, I, I learned the trade. Um I got out to see the world, got to see a couple other countries. Um, And I actually, when I started college at 24, because I didn't know what I wanted to do, I had a general idea of a good work ethic and maybe what I wanted to study for. So it actually paid off, but college is a pay-to-play system. If I did not have that degree, I would have never been able to get my first job to even get my foot in that door. I didn't have any family or friends in the industry that I picked, so I actually had to get that piece of paper just to get my that door and prove myself.
2: Do you think that the system is set up this way to not only stoke this kind of education participation where you have to? What industry do you mind? I don't want you to be specific, but just give me the industry you're in
9: construction.
2: How many, how many construction companies, mega ones, were started by college graduates?
9: Not many. There
2: you go. Not, so, not so, 80 years ago they weren't, but now you've got a system that now is without, set up. But now,
9: if you go to any, if you go to any construction company, you can count how many Ivy leaguers are there.
2: Yeah. Boy, oh boy, I find it to be – listen, first of all, I think it's a great personal story, Steve, and I'm glad you did it, and I want to thank you for doing it and, you know, serving the country. And my favorite part about your call is how going to college later in life kind of gives you that perspective of success, whereas sending kids there at 18 years old kind of makes them just meander around and spend three years learning what they want to do. So thank you very much for the call. But I also think you and I agree on the fact that the system is very, very flawed and in the very least should not be Subsidized by how many construction workers you work with that never went to college that are now going to get the bill for these spoiled brats.
9: Oh, I, I completely agree. And, you know, I, I got, uh, you know, two younger kids, and every time I look at them, and I, I just, you know, I, I, I fear for, you know, they're not going to go to college. And when I say that to people, they their jaw drops because of what it costs to pay for college. I went and I, I did, you know, in 2008, 2010, the, the economy wasn't that great. So I actually started going to college at night, working full time still. I went back and I got a okay. master's degree, and I'm chunking away at that right now just to pay that up. Well, Was it a good decision on my part? No.
2: Well, you'll never but know. You never know. You know. Listen, Steve, I want to thank you for the call. And, you know, I, I, I still think there's something to be said about making kids like that who work and go to school have an appreciation for exactly what it is they're supposed to do with that education versus just giving it away. You're just going to produce more of what we have. Entitled, arrogant Soviets pretending to be magnanimous in society. I think it's a recipe for loss, but then again, perhaps I'm wrong because these people that pass this, they produce nothing. All they did was school immediately in the government. They never opened a business yet. They're in control of all of them.
6: But, you know, you're right at the heart of the point when you say what effect it's going to have on young people who have student loan debt. Because I hear from folks who say, but I don't have student loan debt. Why should I care about this? And the answer is you should care. Because for every young person who's not starting a business, for every young person who's not buying a home... That's holding back the economy, and that affects every single one of us. So if you've got student loan debt, you love this plan. President Biden can cancel $50,000 worth of student loan debt. But if you don't have student loan debt, you'll love this plan. Because this is about lifting up everyone, about closing racial wealth gaps, and about creating more opportunity for the entire economy.
2: At the cost of everybody else. It's utopia. Isn't it great? Don't you just love it? I know when Elizabeth Warren says it, it makes perfect sense to me. Lifting everybody up at the expense of those people who never went to college. See, their whole scheme is like this. It's not just rooted in force. It's the poor subsidizing the middle and the wealthy. That's the real get. I wonder how long it's going to be before the working Democrat who has been used as the useful idiot on election day realizes exactly what they think of you. They're basically saying, if you didn't go to college, you're not worthy of their attention or their benefits. After all, we have to give these college graduates $50,000. Well, what do you get? We'll give you some food stamps and maybe uh, rent, some walking around money. It's going to get real spicy as people start to learn. I love it. All right, take one more call. Drew, Western Suburbs.
7: Hey, Sean. Uh, Great topic. Appreciate it. I actually worked in a university for a number of years. And the government's going to be paying for an overpriced education. They're going to be paying a 10 percent juice loan. And we're going to have a lot more uh, 17th century French literature um, graduates (laughs) out there, which are not African-American and less off kids. A lot of those lily white kids up from Kenilworth who've got these degrees who can pay the taboo can. And I agree. Um, Go to school full time work full time like I did. Um, and you get a lot more value out of it than just um,
2: True. paying stuff willy-nilly. Do you remember when Milton Friedman in the, in the 80s and 90s did an expose on the wealthy people you're talking about legally disowning their child so that their child would appear to be poor the whole time coming from Kenilworth? Do you remember that expose? I,
7: I do. And, and similarly, you also get families that have their kid um, live in a state for a half year so they can get residency.
2: Yeah, I wasn't that smart, dummy that I am. 43 dimes a year. And I got another one going next year. And you want to know something? I'm going to complain every year. I'm going to complain every day. But the one thing I won't do, I will not make my kids go on this government cheese. Because what you're going to do here, you mark my words, Drew, you're going to build loyal, loyal commissar. That's all these kids are in college. They're loyal statists. And they can't wait to Benny. The, all they want to do is be in on it. Because after all, why not idolize the professor who does nothing except try to figure out which girl he can, he can get lucky with during the semester while he works five hours a week and gets tenure? It's one giant Soviet scam. Drew, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I'll take more of your calls when we get back. 312-642-5600. Money, money,
10: money.
3: Money! The best things in life are free.
2: We should spend an entire hour on how there is no free, and the United States government is 30 cents away from a quarter. Broke, and printing up money doesn't make you rich, but I guess we'll have to learn that the hard way. Brendan, Downers Grove. Hey, Sean,
8: how you doing, bud? Good, how are you, I was just telling a a friend of mine down in Florida, I was visiting him, he actually traded in your pit, and I was telling him how funny and knowledgeable you were, but long story short... He, I know you know who this guy is. He had three sons who played big-time college football. Sure. Um, he's, an, he's an angry guy. John Allen, I know. Oh, you know. John Allen, um, big
2: head. I'd like to have his head full of nickels. Go ahead. Right, right. But anyway,
8: <laughs> uh, I, just, I just was listening, and I, and I got a little thing to disagree with you about, which I don't find too often. You, 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 and I have a son who plays college football and is going off to Duke next year to play as a grad transfer. I'm just curious, what what he did wrong, or in your mind that he did nothing, just shouldn't pay for it. I know. Well, first well, I of mean, all, you're,
2: I never blame the kid. I blame the institution. And the institution, you want to know what the problem is? If they want to pay for student athletes, then they should let the kids make money and just have them pay tuition. This way, your kid could shine for the individual athleticism he has. I say you let that kid go out and raise all the money he can. Let him get the endorsements. Why should the school get the endorsements? The school doesn't get to be the vestibule of virtue in the story. Because the school has this yeah. system set up so they win on both ends of it. And in the meantime, they're raising money on the talents of your kid while giving your kid nothing but an education that isn't worth the dollar amount they say it is.
8: Well, he's, he's going to play football, not basketball. If that was the case, I wouldn't be working right now. But none the,
2: it none, nonetheless, it would be better because now think about it this. How many college football kids never make it to the NFL? But in the meantime, uh, what, what if they 99. were... 99.6. Al- okay, so what if those 99.6 were allowed to benefit from their athleticism at a very young age? It would be better for everybody.
8: Well, yeah, but you know what? If you got an undergrad at a school out, out in Boston like he's going to get in two months and a, a master's at
2: Duke... He's, he's going to be set for
5: life. I understand if, you know, that, and a,
2: that's wonderful. And I'm not, I'm not disparaging your son, but should some no, kid, but it. should some kid who doesn't have that ability pay the increased cost for that?
8: No, I get what you're saying, but yeah. you know what uh-huh. it, is, as Alan would say, I, I've spent that on groceries. So, well, I understand that,
2: but and that's the other thing. Uh, Wealthy people shouldn't have kids that are subsidized. I'm not suggesting that's you, but that's everybody. It would be a far better system if we didn't subsidize wealthy kids and athletic kids at the cost of the poor. That's all I'm saying. I hope you and your son do well, and you tell John Allen, I said he's a handsome devil, and he's lucky he didn't go to P1 with me that day. That's a great story, I'll tell you what. This guy's got forearms like my legs. We'll be back um, after this. I have a guest coming up because I want to talk about how we're always in a cold war of currency and how we're always being undermined from enemies as they collaborate. Sometimes we're undermined from within as they pretend to be elected Democrats. We'll discuss that and more when I get back. My uh, favorite topics, as you know, out there, I love to discuss the economy. I love to discuss how important it is to have a, a, a fundamentally strong dollar and principled economy. I personally feel we are so unmoored from these fundamentals that we are just navigating through a, a river. We don't know when the rapids are coming. But I think when I see China, Russia, Iran... Many other Middle Eastern players collaborate to destroy the value of the dollar, the strength, and the fact that it's the world currency. We need to bring on some certain experts, and I find that expert to always be, since the time I started talking to him in the beginning, Chris Fenton, author of Feeding the Dragon. He's a contributor to Real Clear Politics. He's been on Tucker Carlson, and he wrote a piece I find very interesting in The American Thinker. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. How are you?
7: John, it's great to be on. I, I, I feel like I have to get on now because your Twitter's down, so I have no, I can't interact with you directly. I've got to get on the
2: show. I've been seized, brother. It was like the end of the Godfather on January 6th. They took me, 30,000 other conservatives, and just put us in Twitter prison, all done by some Silicon Valley freak with a long beard, and I know he's at some one of those Eyes Wide Shut parties, and I have no voice now, aside from the radio station, which I just got the gig.
7: Well, now you know a little bit of what it's like to be somebody normal in the, uh, in the Chinese PRC as the uh, Chinese Communist Party shuts down people like that all day long. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's great to be on the show, and um, I appreciate you liking the, the op-ed, and you've always been a big fan of the book. So uh, what do we want to talk about in the world?
2: So I, as you know, you and I have talked both on-air and off-air. I have always felt we are in a currency war. I think that the reason half the time I fight my own government is when they violate the principles of capitalism and fundamentals and economics, and they do stupid things like print up money, massively borrow, or have figured out a nice way to to purchase debt in the name of patriotism. I think it's just a destruction of the dollar. But I do like the old-fashioned train of thought, and I think Richard Nixon was possibly one of the worst presidents along with doing some very good things. One of the things I feel he did good is he set the seed for the destruction of communism in China by introducing them to capitalism. I think he underestimated how easy it would be to bastardize his intentions. And uh, what I like about your piece is you kind of recap that, that 1972 Henry Kissinger-Nixon idea of let's introduce capitalism to communism hoping it'll be that wedge to break it apart. Hasn't really worked out that way, though, has it? No.
7: And unfortunately, I was part of that complicit, the complicit number of parties that that thought the more we opened China to the products and services of the United States of America, the healthier it would be for America in the long run. We would grow GDP, we would build jobs, we would Uh, influenced the Chinese, 1.4 billion of them with aspirational qualities of democracy. And as we've seen, none of that is really coming true. I mean, we've offshored a lot of jobs. Yes, GDP growth has been good, but it's been a little bit of a sugar fix. Um, We're now seeing all these global corporations that are run out of the United States of America so entangled with China and so dependent on China's revenue growth and consumer base, um, that they have to put their heads in the sand anytime there's issues with China. And then on top of it, as we saw recently with Hong Kong, this idea that they were going to become more democratic over time, well, that's what the Hong Kong people thought too. And that's definitely not
2: what happened. And the reality is this to me, this is why I think there's so, so many bipartisan mistakes over the course of the last 50 years, damn near 60 When it comes to China, is that we had an opportunity to really stick up for that wedge in in Chinese Chinese communism and corruption, and that was Hong Kong, and to a certain extent Taiwan. And the the fact of the matter is that was a fumble, in my opinion, by the Trump administration. My question to you is: It too far gone? I know he wants to be called Chairman. What is it, Z? I call him Chairman 11 because I have the old-fashioned watch with the Roman numerals on it. Um, Chairman 11 kind of has squashed the freedom and the liberty and the principles of Hong Kong. Can we get it back?
7: Yeah, it's uh, it's a great question. I, unfortunately, don't think we can. I think where we need to put all of our focus and resources and attention is on Taiwan. That's the next move they're going to make. Um, even last night uh, and over the past couple of days, we've seen Hong Kong's uh, electoral process get completely minimized. Um, there's less elected seats. It's much more under Beijing control more now than ever. Um, and really, Taiwan is the one that's sitting there with various military uh, exercises happening on a daily basis offshore, all kinds of dragon spread the power and influence type of threats just through military exercises and various verbal abuses that are um, starting to show that the CCP is getting serious about someday making a move on that territory or what we consider a a sovereign nation in sort of an ambiguous way, Um, that could happen in the very near future. I'd like to believe they're not going to make a move before the Beijing 2022 Olympics. That would just be too big of a geopolitical controversy. But it is going to happen at some time, and we have to be ready for it.
2: I mean, you can never you know, satisfy the thirst of the Leviathan, of the communist Leviathan, when it comes to establishing its dominance. And they've kind of manipulated this hybrid of a capitalist communist society. And to me, I remember when the stories were that they were building islands for more territory. And then all of a sudden it kind of went away. Did they, in fact, stop doing that or have they been on a quest to just expand their control over sea and land?
7: It's funny. I talk a lot about it on a feeding the dragon podcast. I have, um, we do tend to do a lot of barking about what they're doing in the South China sea. Um, in fact, there's all kinds of um, instigation that they're doing right now with Philippines, um, which obviously has been on and off as a true ally of ours, but they tend to be more on as an ally than off. Um, and we're seeing, a lot of rhetoric come from the West about some of these moves, but there's really no bite behind the bark. And that's something that we saw with Hong Kong. And the true test is going to happen when it happens to Taiwan. Um, The question is, what are we going to do about it um, being several thousand miles away? What are our regional partners going to do, whether it's Japan, Korea, Australia, some of the ASEAN countries, and who's going to be in it with us? And whether the American public wants us to get engaged with yet another war in a foreign land, that is going to be a real question, a real test of American resolve.
2: I've seen the American Democrats and um uh, the the doctor Fauci, as I call him, my Auntie Mary. I mean, if this virus was so deadly, would all these eighty year olds be on TV every other minute? But anyway, um, I see them kind of shift what actually happened with the virus. Now we're not to believe that it was intentional or or accidental or from China. Isn't this kind of nerve wracking when we're rewriting history that is a year old? What are where are we scientifically on exactly how the virus? Did it come from a lab? Is there any insight you have into this, or is it still that fish market and the bat and the rabbit or whatever the hell they want us to believe?
7: You know, if I, I, if I knew more than what I've been reading, I'd be lying. It is speculation, unfortunately. We're relying a lot on what did, the, the WHO just put together, which, as you know, is a completely conflicted report. We're also relying on the amount of access that scientists and various investigators from outside of the PRC had access to in order to do a proper investigation. And I think the jury's still out among the true experts as to where this came from. Um, What's even crazier is now that that WHO report has come out and it has been disputed by the Western Alliance, um, China is now using its propaganda organs to start talking about the fact that it may have come in yet again from the outside through frozen food for uh, different military games and exercises that were done on an international level in the Wuhan area. It's crazy. Um, I don't think we'll ever get to the bottom of it. And what we need to do is really learn from this so that the next time something like this happens, we're on much better ground and have much better leverage to try to fix this thing and, and do it much more efficiently.
2: Yeah, one thing's for sure, though, huh, Chris, it's, it has a far bigger presence and a far more effect on the citizens in America than it does in China. They're virtually, I mean, <laughs> they're virtually exactly like they were before it ever happened. I mean, um, it's hard to deny that we were the ones that were harmed far, far greater than uh, we and the rest of the world than China. I think, I think it's just astonishing that we can't look at things anymore with any objectivity in reality. And that's... It's
7: amazing how quickly you can kibosh a virus when you can weld shut people's doors and keep them inside.
2: Yeah, although in Chicago they didn't do that well. But another thing I want to focus on, and we don't have a lot of time, so I want to get to it because I need your expertise on it. When I saw this story, I said, well, it's not at all what it seems. It's about the, the, the destruction of the U.S. petrodollar and the US, dollar, or the, the U.S. dollar as the world currency. China and Iran sign a deal, and in this deal, they have a 25-year-old trade agreement. Doesn't that, in essence circumvent all of the sanctions that were put on Iran because now they get to trade in the Chinese wah whatever the hell they're calling it and they're banking all of it all of our US dollar sanctions out the window is that fair to say
7: I would say you're very much on the right track there. It's not only 25 years, it's at least $400 billion worth of oil. Um, The enemy of your enemy is your friend. I think Iran and and China are not typical partners, but when you're looking at how China is trying to approach uh, the, the sort of the leadership of the United States, particularly with the reserve currency, it makes a lot of sense. And what I'm even... Just as nervous about um, is the fact that the sanctions have prevented Ericsson's, the Swedish company, from going in there to provide the 5G network for Iran. So guess who has 48 percent of all patents for 5G and actually has one company that controls 50 percent of those? Chairman 11. China and Huawei. <laughs> Chairman 11. Huawei is going to jump right in there. Exactly.
2: You know, Chris, when I read that, that Sun tzu war, I said, how could these son of a guns who are so smart to write this be living in a third world? Well, little did I know we were only 30 years around away from them, really kind of taken over there. In fact, isn't it fair to say that they're a lot smarter than these morons we have in Washington?
7: You know what? I, I have lots of friends in Washington. I think there's a lot of competent people in Washington. But, yes, there's also a lot of, I guess you could say, buffoonish activity going on there, too. Um, there is a high propensity for us to play a game of short-term checkers when China plays a game of long-term chess. And I think a lot of that has to do with the system that we've devised over the last couple of decades where rewards come in short-term stock fluctuations or quarterly results or two- to four-year election cycles, no one's thinking in terms of R&D. No one's thinking in terms of long-term what's best for the health of America and the next generation of Americans when we're up against a country that's been around 5,000 years and plans in 25-, 50-, and 100-year planning periods.
2: So when you have trade agreements between Russia and China, between China and Iran, between Russia and Turkey, When you have um, and Syria, by the way, when you have the enemies are all collaborating with each other for both open trade trade agreements, circumventing the U.S. dollar. Wouldn't it be beneficial if the only commodity that they really had to offer and could profit in had a price increase due to American policies? And by that, I mean oil and the most rapid increase to my memory for the last 70 years. Um, Don't you think that actually not only have we let this happen behind our back or we've turned a blind eye to it, but we're playing right into their hands when we have policies that make the cost of oil scream parabolic?
7: Yeah, well, the reserve currency is obviously losing its value and its and and the the, the quality of what it is as a reserve currency. Um, we are playing right into their hands. But what I will do for your listeners is give a sense of hope in the fact that China is now seen as a serious challenge to the United States of America, and I do believe national security interests. Um, financial security interests, those inherent traits of being a human being, which are flight and fight, and even blind justice. Those are things that both red and blue can unite on. And when there is a common challenge, when we have that Sputnik moment, that is something that the United States can rise and conquer better than anybody else out there. So I'd like to believe now that we have woken to this challenge, to this threat that is posed to us from the other superpower, we can actually overcome this together and possibly unite a very divided nation right now.
2: I tell you, his name is Chris Fenton. He's a big-time actor. He's my friend. And now that he he, uh, published in The American Thinker, you're not going to forget me, are you, Chris? No, not at all. All right, wonderful. Well, we're going to get to have him back then, Chris. Not at I, all. You've got to th- get back on Twitter, though. Got to get back on Twitter. All right, let me see what I could do. I gotta have, uh, I'll have one of the <laughs> kids here front me. Thank you so much, Chris Fenton, for joining me. We'll take your calls when we get back. 312 5600.
3: Fenton. 312
2: 5600. This is the most important issue. If we lose the importance of the U.S. dollar in the world, It's over with, baby. We are Venezuela in a hurry. That's why I'm so principled and fundamental when it comes to decisions they make. Do you understand how much money we've printed up in the last 12 months? More than was in circulation until 2008. Far more. Just a click of a mouse. They didn't even bother turning the machines on like the old times. So at the same time we've cooked up this phony baloney economy that we're funding, We are now implementing policies that enhance the likelihood of our enemies from dumping the dollar. And then it's over with. And at the same time, this phony green energy nonsense. You know what? I'm going to stop calling it green. It's the watermelon plan. It might be green on the outside, but it's red like a communist on the inside. That's what this plan is. Because every policy enriches the communist countries we're surrounded by. Can you imagine how, how, how they have to be laughing at us? The one product Iran has to produce, we just jacked up the profits on. The one product, Turkey, Syria, various enemies around the, 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 the Middle East that pretend to be our allies. You think that in an instant, Saudi Arabia wouldn't cut a deal with these communists? They love it. They're looking at making money. They're one of the only two countries where slavery is, is, is still allowed and promoted, the other one being Africa. You think they care? They just want to make the money. We are so outflanked, these Soviet Democrats, unless, if that's if you want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it's accidentally, maybe they're accidentally this stupid, or maybe it's what I think, it's sabotage of the U.S. dollar, meant to implode our system that they've always hated. You think the stories aren't connected, how they're how they're uh, uh, promoting Soviet socialism in our colleges and how we've got it in Washington and how all of their policies benefit the very communists and Marxists and fascists around the world. Tell you what, it's uh, if I'm right, I don't want to be right. But if I'm right, we got these are bigger problems than what you think. You have now taken our two major enemies, three and made them allies. Because never forget, Iran and Russia have always had an agreement. Always. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Dave in Libertyville.
9: Hey, Sean. Thanks for taking my call. I disagree with your guest because how can we be tough on China when Biden's in their pocket?
2: Biden has been in their pocket for 35 years. Swalwell, the Chinese mistress. Diane Feinstein, the Chinese driver. Not to mention Rupert Murdoch. Do you ever take a look at his third wife? You think she was with him because she found his personality charismatic? Did you? I mean, it's, it's, it's a joke how we've. And, and, and when you read their literature, when you read their books, when you read their philosophy, they don't think about people the way we do. They think about country and party first. That's why they're growing and we're shrinking. We're faking it. And these Democrats know, know full well how to hamstring us. Go ahead.
9: China, Chinese people have been wearing masks for decades because it's so bad over there. And now we're going to turn
10: into the same thing.
2: Yeah, but they're, re- they're, they're doing they, it, Dave, because of their pollution, not because of that. But here's, here's the other thing. I love the Chinese people. I really wanted to see capitalism and freedom in Hong Kong work like a wedge and break apart the Chinese communist grip that it has on China. Never forget, people are not governments. The people of China still long to be free. Can you imagine if you were born in China? Of course you'd want the wedge of Americanism, which is capitalism and liberty and freedom, to break apart your totalitarian governments. We had an opportunity. That's why I rejected Peter Navarro and his anti, really what I thought was anti Asian perspective, and he wrapped it in a Chinese flag. We could have broken apart China by stoking Hong Kong. We still can by Taiwan. Do you think these Democrats have the gravitas to even understand that? I certainly don't. 312 642 5600.
5: And teach kids that not only is government good, but that there should be a worldwide super government.
2: Oh, we're talking. good time. I love this kind of music. It makes you feel young. Speaking of young, I was told to promote the show. If you can, go, you can also watch the show on YouTube. We're on the 560 page, Facebook 560 page. You just type in Sean Thompson Show. Spell Sean correctly. S-H-A-U-N. I don't know how the hell they got seen. Um, tune in while I still have hair. Should be the tagline. Um, you know why I can't stand the idea that China and Iran teamed up. I want to know, what is your fear with the China and Iran teaming up? I think it's very complex with a very simple solution. I think that that we should be aware, as a country that has been blessed with being the world currency, we should really kind of protect that, especially as we fraud the dollar dominance. I mean, unless you just want to hear the rah-rah stuff. If the rah-rah stuff is for you, you can find that all up and down the aisle. And here's the nice thing. Even the neo-Marxist frauds, calling themselves Democrats, do the rah-rah stuff, right? That's how they give away all of our, our, our free stuff. They print up that. After all, we're the number one country, isn't it right? Everything's a right, except our only real right, which is freedom and liberty. 312-642-5600. I'd like to know what you think, because I, uh, I was optimistic about freedom and liberty right up until they told me 81 million people voted for a Marxist in diapers. And then I wasn't too sure about it. I wasn't too sure. I wasn't too positive on the future. And then China went to, um, I knew they wouldn't wait long before they embarrassed the moron Biden and his fraud administration. I just didn't think it would happen so quickly and happen in Alaska. I hit the China thing. It didn't work. Is there a button? I missed a place there.
1: Well, I think we thought too well of the United States. We thought that the US side will follow the necessary diplomatic
6: protocols.
1: So, for China, it was necessary that we make our position clear.
6: 我现在讲一句你们没有资格在中国的面前说你们从实力的地位出发,跟中国谈话。
1: so let me say here that in front of the Chinese side, the United States does not have the qualification to say that it wants to speak to China from a position of strength.
6: Now,
1: the U.S. side was not even qualified to say such things even 20 years or 30 years back because this is not the way to deal with the Chinese people. Now, do you understand...
2: The boldness, the hubris, the outrageousness in this. This is a country that, um, you know, I I was reading the story about the cleaners in Elmhurst, Dulles Cleaners, and how they put this sign up I I thought was not well thought out and how the woman went in with the Chinese daughter she had adopted and they they were upset. And I thought to myself, has anybody pointed out why we were adopting so many babies from China? Because they had a policy in place to kill them? Amazon had a documentary, if it's still up, about how the Chinese government had actually started to kill kids that were born because they felt that the families um, were only allowed a certain amount of kids. I mean, and now this is the country that's talking to us about rights on on uh, on humanity and how to treat citizens. I think people forget. Because they see these guys up there in their, in their $3,000 Italian suits, and they seem to be like, oh, it's just another government. Communism is not an option. It is a, a totalitarian mindset that enslaves its citizen. There really aren't Chinese citizens. There's just Chinese slaves. And if you have the right know-how, you get to pretend like you live like a middle class. That's why I laugh when I read in the Wall Street Journal about the growth of the Chinese middle class. It's not a society based on rights. It's a society based on loyalty to the idea of superiority and insuperiority. And the fact that citizens must be slaves for a society. Kind of like the way we're doing it through laws here. So to listen to this, this propagandist, this communist, tell us how wrong we are for even criticizing communism. Infuriates me. But then again, that's why I brought Chris Fenton on. He understood how we started our relations with China in the beginning. It was started because it had a strategy to stoke those Chinese people who wanted freedom. To show them that there is a way better than communism. Did that idea work or did the fact of the matter that the Chinese communist way has so taken over ire? Our business plan, our idea of capitalism—that they, they maybe they understood capitalism wasn't going to break apart communism. Communism would infiltrate and bastardize capitalism. I didn't think it would stand a chance in America. That was before the Joe Biden economy.
8: The law includes a small business opportunity fund to infuse capital in the neighborhoods that have been
2: historically underserved by the federal government. Yeah. Those are what the ghettos that this government built, and now they're going to get business loans. I mean, it is just bizarro world. But you'll have to forgive me. I'm an old-fashioned capitalism. Capitalist, excuse me. I believe in capitalism. I believe capitalism is the way that took this country and made it the greatest. It wasn't politicians. It wasn't printing money. It wasn't targeting and managing corporations or putting money where you thought you needed it. It was us. We worked our way out of these ghettos. Every nationality had a ghetto. We had a chance to work out of them. That was right up until the government started helping us. I don't think the Chinese have become more like America. I think America has become more like China. I want to know what you think. 312-642-5600. I'll take your calls when we get back.
1: Oh, twice.
2: Maybe I'm old-fashioned. I don't think that governments should control economies. I don't think they should print up money. I think there should be a private economy. I believe in a separation of the economy and state. But maybe that's old fashioned. As I as I look at the Biden administration, apparently they want me to believe 81 million people voted for this kind of nonsense where he's going to print up not just the money he already did for the phony recovery and 10 percent goes to it. He has a new uh, three trillion dollar that is turned into four trillion dollar recovery plan. He also plans on paying for it by creating three trillion in new taxes. That'll be great for the economy. But he's got a new uh, 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 business plan that gives loans to businesses that went out of business. You know, nobody ever thought about that phony PPP. What happened to all those businesses that borrowed the money and went away? What happened to the money? Ah, we'll worry about it later. It's all working out famously. Angela, or I'm sorry, Angelina Oak Park, how are you?
1: Hi, how are you?
2: Wonderful, thank you. Um, and thank you for calling. I, oh,
1: I want to congratulate you on the on the show. I didn't know that this was a regular thing for you. I'm so happy to hear that.
2: I have usurped the five to seven. Took it over. <laughs>
1: yes. I love it. Thank you. Um, but, you know, I, I did want to say, you know, I'm a history teacher, and I've been back in school since August, by the way. Um, and... In the course of the curriculum that I teach, I, I always try to do current events, and and I always bring up China. And even today, I was telling my students about the relationship, uh, the business deal that they they just made with Russia and Iran and stuff. And, you know, I find it very, um, I don't know, I, I'm very concerned about it. I think China's, you know, jockeying for position here. And I don't know, Sean, I mean, I don't think they're afraid To go to
2: war with us? No, no, because you got to remember. Not only have they invested enough money um, with uh, in other currencies, they are on the on the spear tip of many many of the cyber currencies, and they've been working with the IMF and uh, various other organizations to dump the dollar. And the reality is we've been able to to go to war with small countries and oil-producing countries that threaten to go off the dollar. But if you get these nations together to go off the dollar, I mean, overnight, we are the Weimar Republic. And it could happen, especially if the IMF agrees that we need a new world currency. And, and, you know, I don't think too many people understand in history how we got to be the number one superpower. It was because of the Bretton Woods Agreement after World War II. And,
1: And, And the thing is, I'm sorry. Go Go ahead. ahead.
2: No, you go ahead. You're the history teacher. Go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say, you know, we're paying, you know, here we have people in this country are worried about canceling, you know, Looney Tunes and Dr. Seuss. And there's some serious stuff going on that nobody's paying attention to. And I really, uh, I don't know. I I love It's ridiculous.
2: I love that you called and I want you to please call again and please remind people. I don't think I think I'm concerned that so many of these kids in school, so many of the kids in college and so many of the of the people who are actually assisting our congressmen and senators have have learned this revised history, which is a lie. And and if we lose the concepts of capitalism and how important it is to protect the yes. fundamental dollar and we start to create things, we do become that bad guy. And at a certain point, when you let these Democrats keep printing money, we do deserve to have the dollar dumped.
1: Yes. And I'm trying to teach that. and I don't know if I'm getting anywhere, but I'm trying.
2: <laughs> Angelina, you so. were my favorite call of the day. Thank you so much. And I had all good ones. Oh, so thank, thank you. you. I so appreciate <laughs> it. Now. I have to say, I love the two hours. I really want three. I could go another two, I think. But I, uh, I do have some good memories in Chicagoland. I do have some good memories of my grandfather, and they may even include sports. Now, my producer, Johnny Rocket, is a multi-talented guy who also you play, He's going to play the organ at the Cubs game. I find this great. So when he said this, it got me thinking of my fondest memory. And it ties into the economy. Because the one thing I remember about being a kid, I loved Harry Carey. Harry Carey always knew what was important and knew about capitalism. I want you to listen to this.
10: I don't know what the big deal about Cracker Jack is. Did you ever go and buy a pack of Cracker Jack thinking you're going to get a prize and find no prize <laughs> in the box? Here's the pitch. That might not sound important to some people, but when you when you're a little kid, especially from humble origin and they cheat you out of a prize there's a bouncing ball second baseman has the Barbary over the first better than Brockmire it's hard to think in laudatory terms of the product
5: <laughs> <laughs> I think many- if there was an occasional box of Cracker Jacks and found no prizes for uh, the the, for the little Harry Carey many years ago <laughs>
10: You got that right. (laughs) That boy, when a box of Cracker Jack to me meant a lot of money. Here's a a pitch, bounce, foul. That's the most asinine marketing I've ever heard of. One ball, one strike. These guys say, "Well, you you sing about Cracker Jack." I said, "I only sing it because it's in the song." (laughs) Here's a pitch foul back, and I wouldn't be a bit surprised, even to this day, some youngsters who buy a box of Cracker Jack don't <laughs> find a prize in the box. One ball, two strikes, two <laughs> out. Well, if you're going to talk about our congressman being crooked, here's a pitch foul out of play. Why not talk about commercial products that don't do what they represent to do?
2: Now, I thought that was hysterical. The kids that work here, not so much. But I don't care because this is my show, Sean Thompson Show. I want to thank you very much for listening. And I promise in the future we won't talk sports. But I will have more Harry Carey. just makes me smile. A better time all the way around. When men were men and transvestites weren't in charge of government bureaucracies. We'll be back tomorrow, 5 to 7.
10: But she believe in shoes.